Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about practicing and becoming more of a people of prayer. And I started talking about this uh, also in September where Jesus said that my house shall be called a house with prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. In other words, it's not just something we do. It's not something we do occasionally. It's not something we do just emotionally, but it's, it's part of who we are. And uh, last week we talked about this concept that how important our prayer is, that our, yours is the power of God, but ours is the prayer. That God from the very beginning of time has joined with humanity and said, the way that my kingdom uh, of heaven shows up on earth is when my people pray it in. And I use this talk about just praying some things in, that your prayer is powerful, your prayer is effective, your prayer advances things, your prayer enlarges things, your prayer opens things. And so it's so important that we are more and more a people of prayer. Last week we talked about the power of prayer and fasting, how the reality is that Jesus said there are some kind of things, things that are entrenched, things that just don't seem to move, things that don't seem to get healed, things that breakthroughs that don't seem to happen, sons and daughters that don't seem to return, whatever your this thing is that's not moving that you know is God's will. Jesus said this kind, there are moments like that, that this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is a tool that Jesus gave us to shift things, to move things, to break through things, to, to open uh, new ground, to, to close doors that have been opened to uh, bad uh, things in our past. Whatever it is, prayer and fasting is a powerful tool because prayer connects us to Jesus and fasting disconnects us from the world. And I know many of you had a, a lot of things last week as we had out on the front here in our Surrey campus. And I know some of you sent the, these things in line or online uh, to our prayer at horizonchurch.ca uh, prayer list. And literally hundreds and hundreds of them um, in the room. But I want to show you, I don't know if there's a camera that can zoom in on me here in a moment. Not too close on my face yet. That's not, you know, it's not my good side. Okay. <laughs> Some of you are like, there isn't a good side, Pastor. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to see. We, uh, Emma, our prayer leader, typed them all out. So I'm going to show you how many there are. Okay, can we go zoom in? So just as they go, I think he's coming. It's this guy. Yeah, yeah. We're going sw- to change cameras. Otherwise, me and Andrew are having an awkward moment. <laughs> there we go. There it is. Okay, now we're looking right at the light. There it is. Okay, so just look. Each... We can't stop. You know, there's someone said every name has a story and every story matters to God. Every one of those requests, and some of them are multiple line requests, but the multiple requests contained within them, is saying, God, would you move? Asking God to do something that only God can do. And so we're going to continue. This morning, one, one of the things that we had been praying for is our daughter, in 
Spokane. He's uh, been living there for a year and a half since she got married to an American. We've forgiven her. We've got over it. But <laughs> It's a long time. I forget. Two and a half years. And uh, last January, she's been already at that point, been married for a year and a half, uh, put in her application for a green card or permanent residency status in, in the States. And they th- said, oh, take about five months. And uh, she said, this is going to be great. I'm going to be able to come back to Canada for Christmas because when you're in process, you don't leave the country. And it just wasn't happening. It just kept getting delayed. Oh, we got this far along and delayed, 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 delayed. Uh, and so we were praying this week that God, that you would bring favor in that area. And I got a text this morning in service. They got a, they got a notification this morning that you don't have to go to any interview. You are approved. Yeah. Some kind, this kind doesn't move without prayer and fasting. And I tell you what, if God can move somebody in the, Amer- in the American immigration system, just saying. But the disciples did not ask, Lord, teach us to preach. Said this last week. Or Lord, teach us to do great miracles. Or Lord, teach us how to have a large church. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Because prayer does, isn't, doesn't make the greater work possible. Prayer is the greater work. Leonard Ravenhill, a prayer man, a man of prayer and a revivalist said this, we are never greater than our prayer life. Prayer changes me usually before it ever changes anything. Hebrews 6 and 12, I want to draw your attention to this because we're going to lean in one last week in prayer. Hebrews 6 and 12 says this. Nobody has it on any screen. It's okay. We do not want you to become lazy. He said, I don't want that. I thought you just said you wanted that. No. Okay, you don't. Okay. That's it. We do not want you to become lazy. Say, I don't want that. Here's what you do want. But to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what is promised. Faith and patience. In other words, belief or patience and perseverance. They keep going at it until they see what has been promised. Because we have to learn not just to pray once in a while. We don't have to learn to pray emotionally. But to be people of prayer that prevail in prayer. All throughout the New Testament, it talks about these pray without ceasing. Keep on praying. Stand and then keep on praying. Pray all kinds of prayers in all kinds of situations with all kinds of requests to make your requests be made known to God. It's this theme of the scripture because prayer is connecting us to God and the reality of it. So there's a, a, a part of us that must prevail, that must continue to persevere, that must continue to contend if we're to see God, what God has promised come to pass. And I started to write down some things that I felt as I was in prayer all throughout this week and as has been studying for the last while, just some thoughts on prayer that are just my random musings. But, but prevailing prayer brings intimacy with God. Prevailing prayer revives our heart. Prevailing prayer lights a fire in my belly that nothing else can do. Prevailing prayer brings victory to my life and your life. Prevailing prayer is what awakens a sweet sleeping church. Prevailing prayer is what changes hearts. Prevailing prayer always costs something. Prevailing prayer is our responsibility before God. Prevailing prayer is how God works in the earth. Prevailing prayer breaks the demonic. Prevailing prayer breaks addiction. 
Prevailing prayer softens hearts. Prevailing prayer changes families. Prevailing prayer changes nations. Prevailing prayer changes marriages. Prevailing prayer changes the moral climate of a city. Prevailing prayer is what breaks the power behind corrupt government. Prevailing prayer is what changes us, our families, our homes, our nation, our city. Prevailing prayer, faith and patience. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Prayer for all the nation. Excuse me. So as we talk on this, I, I thought, well, we had a week of talking about yours is the power, ours is the prayer. We talked about how prayer connects us to Jesus and fasting disconnects us from the world. And I knew that this morning there would be a sense of expectancy and anticipation because anytime you set aside time to worship and to pursue Jesus, when you gather, it's going it's to do something. But first of all, I believe that it's not can't be a posture that we do once or twice a year. It has to be the posture of our life. There are certain times that needs a different perspective, that needs a different attitude. And I believe that it's one of those times. And so I want to end with one final, well, two final things that I believe are going to help us to prevail in prayer. And I want to talk about those today that I feel like have, are common things that trip me up and I, in my observation and through the reading of scripture are common things that trip all of us up from persevering in prayer. Many years ago, I wanted to run a half marathon. The problem was I probably hadn't run anywhere for about uh, 10 years. Um, and, and so I started, I couldn't run 200 meters without uh, nearly dying. You know, if you've done that after a long time, you know what I'm talking about. Little by little, I began to build up, though, and, and I read somewhere, because you can read, you can find these things, couch potato to five kilometers, here's how to do it, couch potato to a half marathon, here's how to do it and not die, and so all those things, and one of the things that was recommended is you get some really good shoes, and I was like, those cost a lot, I'm going to get these ones that are a lot cheaper. And so I got those ones, and I ran and ran and ran and ran, and then finally it came to race day. And I was uh, at the beginning, and you go behind, it's the weirdest thing. You find, they call me a race bunny, and there's a six-foot-two man with some uh, bunny ears on, and it has the time that you want to run beyond his back, and you just follow him. And so I'm following him and following him and keeping my pace and going along. And uh, at about the 18-kilometer mark, because I think it's 21.2, but at the 18-kilometer mark, my foot just started getting so sore, my right foot. And I started to limp and hobble, and I'm like, man, I'm, I, I don't know if I can keep going. I think I, I might need to quit. Uh, and I had all these thoughts, and I was slowing down, and the, the bunny man up ahead was getting further and further away. And I was like, ah, this is not good. And, and I was so tempted to quit. I wasn't doing my best. The shoes were worn, and they were not the right shoes, and they were hindering my progress. And sometimes in prayer, we can, I did finish, by the way, under two hours, which was my goal, but I almost died. But, and this year, I'm going to run one again. I said that publicly, so I have no way of backing out. Because I've been, I said it to somebody else a couple of weeks ago, hey, would you be interested? They're like, when would you go? And I was, uh, July 20th, maybe? I was like, I got to pray about it more. I didn't have to pray about it at all. I just... 
You know, some things are obvious, but anyway, now I've said it publicly on January the 22nd at 11.01. Strike that from the... (laughs) Sometimes in prayer, we can have, unknowingly have things that are hindering our prayer. That are, that might even cause us to quit prevailing in prayer before we see the answer. Sometimes the hindrance actually blocks the effectiveness of our prayer. No matter our intent, no matter how much we want it, no matter how loud we are, no matter what our desires, there are some things that just hinder our prayer. There's, there's many throughout Scripture. I'm going to talk on five this morning. But the writer of one of the books of the New Testament, Hebrews, uh, says this in chapter 12. He says, let us throw off. Someone say, throw it off. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run, there's that word again, with perseverance, the race marked out for us. If you're going to run with perseverance, if you're going to receive the promise through faith and perseverance, you have to throw off some things that hinder. Hinder your prayer life, hinder your life, hinder your faith, hinder everything, and, and also the sin. So sometimes things are not sin, they're just things that hinder you. So when I say this, exhaustive, this is not an exhaustive list, I think there are some things that hinder you that don't hinder me. And there are some things that hinder me that don't hinder you. God's got a list with you that he wants to deal with you. But I've done five common hindrances to answer prayer. It's, it's because these are not just a, it's not a God thing, that, something that God has to do. It says, let us throw off the hindrance. Let us throw off the sin. It's not the devil thing. We can't blame the devil. It's an us thing. Here we are, five common hindrances to answered prayer. Number one, sin. We're still a church that believes sin is sin. Sin breaks your, our lives. Sin destroys our relationships. Sin is what's destroying the world. And, and it's a, something in our prayer life that hinders our prayer life. Psalm 66 in verse 18 says this, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I was thinking about this this morning. It's uh, how I, sometimes my kids did wrong. And they would need to be disciplined at some kind. Maybe if you've had children or you've seen children on a, they will get into a scuffle and fight. And sometimes they say something mean. Sometimes they'll slap the other one. And this had happened into our house a couple of times. They'll say to the other one, you need to apologize. And one of our children would just say sometimes flat out, no. Oh, okay. You, I won't, you can speculate as to which one it is. I will not out her here. But the reality was sometimes they needed to go and think about it for a little while. So they would be off to the room and think about it. You're going to need to apologize. And every so often they would make, make requests for something while they're in solitary confinement. <laughs> I, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. Nope. First thing you need to do before I'm going to listen to that extraneous request is you need to apologize to your sister. That's a very simple example of how it is with God. He's not a genie that's in a bottle that we rub when we need an answer. He's God all by himself. And it started me thinking in, in, in all of our lives, do we, t- and this is not that you never can sin. This is unrepented, unconfessed sin before God. 
Do we tolerate our lying? And say, God, can you give a wink at that? It's okay. Do we tolerate our hatred for others? Do we tolerate gossip? Do we tolerate our drunkenness? Do we tolerate our pride? Do we tolerate our pornography? Do we tolerate our apathy? Do we tolerate our unforgiveness? Do we tolerate our sexual sin? Someone said you can't live wrong and pray right. Prayer keeps me from sin though, but sin keeps me from prayer. And so it's so important that we respond well. And what's our response? It's an old Bible word, I repent. If you want to reduce this hindrance in your life, become a person that just lives in repentance. It's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. Yes, God forgives all my sin, and then there's a relational part of my sin that I need to walk out day by day as, uh, as some of us make mistakes. All of us <laughs> make mistakes. May we call out to God, forgive me. Amazing grace that saved a what like me? A wretch like me. Sin destroys, sin wrecks. We don't live under some, some kind of cloud, but thanks be to God that 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So there's an easy way to deal with this. It's humbling, but it's the way that we deal with the hindrance of sin. We confess, we repent. Number two, guilt and inferiority, something I've done. And we, sometimes I, through my early part of my 20s, thought kind of like this. God has other people that he really listens to. He plays favorites somehow. I'm in the house, but I'm at the servant's table kind of thinking. Or others might be too afraid to ask God for something because we, are, we believe he's holding out something against us. We used to, there was a friend of mine that used to say, when something good was going on in, in my life or vice versa in his life, I'd say, you must be doing your devotions. This kind of idea that was terrible, that if I do right, if I do all the right things, then God's, God has to bless my life. It's not that. I'm not performing for God. We live, but we can live in constant fear of not being forgiven. We hear the words, but we feel we have to earn our way back. And so we come and we don't, we're not bold in our prayers. We're withdrawn and we're hesitant and we don't continue to persevere. Oh, I did three bad things. I can't ask for that anymore. But I've repented. So I don't carry around guilt. So I need to respond properly and receive forgiveness. Receive forgiveness. Hebrews 8 and 12 says this about God. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So when you sincerely repent, this is how I imagine it to be. I, I repent of something. I go back three days later. God, I'm here again. I did that stupid thing again. What thing? He doesn't keep a running tally of things that you've repented. 1997, we've been dealing with this, Craig. There's enough of this. It's not how he takes it. That's not how he deals with us. If we sincerely repent, and it doesn't say he forgets. 
because that would seem like he has amnesia or something. He chooses by an act of his will to remember no more. I'm not going to bring this up. I'm not going to keep hanging it over your head. I'm not going to keep berating you about it. I'm not going to do that. And so then the next verse becomes even that much more powerful. Because of that, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Somebody say confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. In other words, when's our time of greatest need? When we've blown it the most. When can I come boldly? When I've blown it the most. When can I come before him? When I don't have it figured out. When can I ask again? When everything's not right in my world. Come boldly with confidence. I'm not an outsider. I'm not earning it. I'm not uh, somebody because of my past that God holds back from me. I'm a son, and you are a son or a daughter that has access to a good God who gives good gifts from heaven. So we don't stay in guilt and inferiority. Power to forgive and power to change are both there in Jesus. So we cannot let guilt or inferiority keep us back from the very power source that's there to change us. Number three, wrong motives. This is where our priorities are about, maybe more about our ego, our desires, and our selfish purposes. James 4 and 3 says this, you ask and you do not receive. Has anybody ever been there? I've asked and I do not receive. Ooh, here's one of the reasons. Here's one of the hindrances. Because... You ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasure. Amiss means just with wrong motives. Someone I heard this week said, when you ask amiss, it makes a mess. When you ask amiss, it makes a mess. God is not a vending machine. He won't just, oh, they've prayed that. Out it comes. We can't do whatever we want. Are we growing in him? Are we seeking him? Are we desiring to honor him with our lives? Because often the waiting of God is intended to sift your motives, to purify our motives so that we're asking for what God wants more than what we desire because God can only give what's in accordance with his will. And sometimes we're praying something that's not his will and the waiting is not because of any other reason other than he's sifting out all the other motives in our heart. So my response is, I seek to put God first. Matthew 6, 31 to 33 says, so do not worry, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? In other words, all the things that occupy our thoughts. For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all those things that you've been worrying about will be given to you as well. In other words, when our motive is out of order, there are some things that won't be released. And so God says, get things in our priority list into his priority list and allow him to move. Number four, unforgiveness and bitterness. We'll do a whole series on this after Easter so you can time when you don't want to be here. No, I'm just kidding. But Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. <laughs> in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a what? Foothold. So a foothold is something that's meant to be a start. And when we allow bitterness and unforgiveness in our heart, it gives a space for the enemy to begin to operate in our life. It's kind of like in World War II on D-Day, June the 6th, 1944. I think over a million soldiers uh, streamed onto the beaches of uh, France 
to start to push back the enemy. And they, ha- they had to get a foothold. If they could get a foothold, they knew that they had the resources behind it to push the enemy back. And that's what happened. And over the course of the next 10 or 11 months, they pushed back until victory in Europe Day, May the 8th, 1945. And so they had a foothold, which allowed them to build a stronghold, and eventually they got a stranglehold on their enemy. But here's what happens in reverse. When we allow the enemy a foothold, it allows him to build a stronghold, and eventually he has a stranglehold on your life. It's nothing to play with. It has an effect not only on your prayer, but on your very life. We ne- Someone said this, we never pray for people we gossip about, gossip about, and we never gossip about the people we pray for. Wow. Because prayer, why? Because prayer is a great detergent. So my response then is, I forgive. Ephesians 4 and 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And here's the qualifier. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. How did God forgive you? Completely, unconditionally, regularly. And so in the same way, we've been forgiven, so we forgive. Fifth, number five, stinginess. What? How did this one make it into the list? I knew a preacher would get one about giving in there. Proverbs 21 and 13. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. That's in the book. Doesn't mean that you have to solve every problem of humanity by yourself. It does mean that God cares about the poor. It does mean that when God does ask us to respond, that we're ready and willing to respond. So however that looks in our lives, we need to be people that respond to help the poor. The poor, the widow, the orphan, the marginalized ones. That there would be something in our hearts to do something. My response then is, I am generous. I don't let my money control me. It's an order thing. Do for one, someone said, what you wish you could do for everyone. I had a guy that I worked with one time. He, he talked about he wanted to be responsive to help people. And so every, every time he got paid, he would take, I think, two 20s or three 20s, put them in an envelope and put them in his glove box. And he said, I want to be ready to respond to help someone. Not just be a theory, but I want to be ready to respond to help someone, to help the poor. And he would do that. I'm not going to tell you where his car is so you can go find the money. Uh, But the reality is generosity. This is what Proverbs 22 and 9 says. The generous will themselves be blessed for they share their food with the poor. There's something about that. Search my heart, O God. And see if there be any wicked way. And help me, God. So by grace, we identify these things. We want to respond. And like I said at the beginning, it's not an exhaustive list. So let's assume we're removing all the hindrances, but things still seem to be delayed. What else could be going on? Proverbs 16 and 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord determines their steps. In other words, I will make my plans. I'm going there. That's what I feel like the Lord has directed me. And then I submit those to the Lord, and he works out the timing. He works out the pace. He works out 
how it's going to look because I might have put God in a box that needs to look like this. And he's like, you're thinking too small or I need to adjust your thinking. And so we're guilty of pre-planning our future sometimes so far that we, we X God out of the picture. We create these long-term plans, but if we will submit them to the Lord and let him bring us where we need to be, when we need to be there, looking what it looks needs to look like, there isn't any room for hurt healings, hurt feelings. We just live open-handedly before the Lord. Lord, this is my desire. This is what I feel like you're asking of me, but I submit to your will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we realize that God has his when. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. God has his way and God has his what. He's God all by himself and he has working on. So how can I know if it's a yes, a no, or a not yet? Because God answers. A yes, a no, or a not yet. I want to look at two examples in the, in the scriptures and then we're going to be done. The Old Testament example, 2 Samuel 5, 17 to 25. David had just become king. He, had been, he was the second king of Israel and he had just become king. And uh, he was stepping into what God had called him to. And right away, the Philistines, a neighboring nation, came to kill him or try to kill him. And as a side note, that's often how things work. When you're just starting in something, that the enemy will try and come against you when you're just beginning it, when you're new in faith, when you're just praying something, and will try to get you to stop at the very beginning so that nothing good comes out of it. But David said to the Lord, should I go up against them? What should I do? Well, I need a strategy. So he went to God. And Jesus, the Holy Spirit, through God says to him, yes. And he went straight up against them, faced them, and defeated them. Apparently not badly enough, as not long later they came back again to fight and just try to steal, kill, and destroy. And David asked God again, shall I go up against them? The answer this time was no. Go around behind them and attack them from the rear. And I'll give you the victory. So David does what God asks him and wins the victory. It really illustrates for me the, how important it is to hear God. Because sometimes we're going on a path that we're fighting for, that God says, I want to give you a different strategy for what you're facing right now. I want to adjust your prayer. I want to adjust your action. I want to give you a different insight. And if we will pause and learn how to hear his voice, he can clearly say it. Yes, no, wait, adjust, move. That's how God works. To give you a new and a fresh tactic. Our first child was one kind of a person. And we got figured out how to work with her, how to deal with her. The second child came. She was different, and we needed a strategy from God. And I remember literally sometimes sitting at the end of her bed after she had gone to sleep finally and praying and say, oh, God, help me. I don't know what to do. And God began to give us strategies and insight how to parent so, see, the things of God are not just theories out there. He wants to come into your parenting. He wants to come and give you strategy for your marriage. He wants to come in and give you strategy for your business. He wants to come and give you strategy for your health crisis. He wants to come in and give you strategy for your friendship. He wants to come in and give you insight and knowledge and words of knowledge, how to respond in certain situations. I got a, a message this morning from someone who said, I have a friend of mine right now who is in an abusive relationship, doesn't know what to do. She won't listen to me. The man keeps coming after her. I'm afraid of her. I'm afraid of him. What should I do? 
real situations that need a strategy from heaven, that the words of man won't break through, that the strategies of humans don't do anything, that the words of a parent just don't seem to move. But when we get a strategy from heaven that God says, this is the way, I wanna show you how to go, I wanna show you when to go, I wanna show you what to say, I wanna show you when to be quiet, I wanna show you when to speak up so you don't mess it up. Keep in concert with me. And we learn how to hear him in every area of our life. Because the bottom line is, I, I want to leave us with, deal with what's stopping you and listen to where he's taking you. Deal with what's stopping you and listen to where he's taking you. Because God's hand is on your life. There's a plan on your life to do great things in God. You are not just here to exist in and then to be extinguished. You are here. You're in, created in the image of God. There are people that God's meant you to touch. There are sons and daughters that he wants you to raise to know him and be a force for good and for God in the world. There's businesses he wants to start. There's people that he needs to go into every area of the world, the business world. The, the entertainment world, the political world, and wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness. But you need to learn how to deal with the stuff that's holding you back and lean into and hear where he's taking you. In the New Testament, we see this again. Philip at Samaria. This was a wonderful time. They had been persecuted, and so Philip had left Jerusalem, and he headed down to a nearby nation or a city called Samaria. This and he started to preach and lay hands on people and there were signs and wonders and miracles. Great things were happening. People were getting saved. Devils were being driven out of people. The city was filled with joy, great joy actually in verse eight. It was a full-blown revival. Things are going fantastic. If this was, tw excuse me, 2023, I suspect what Philip would have done is said, okay, we're gonna build a great network of churches or I'm gonna write a book, or I'm gonna write a book and go on a speaking tour and make lots of money for the ministry. I'm gonna do all these things, it's gonna be amazing. But the word of God came to him in the middle of success, in the middle of a city that was being touched, in the middle of a revival and said, go down to the desert road. What? Um, but God, um, not sure if you're aware of this, there's an amazing revival going on here. The city is being changed. Now, he didn't even say go to meet this person. He just said go down to this desert road. Not even a busy street. Not even another city. A desert road. A road that goes into the desert where nothing grows and you just got to get through it. Go down to that desert road. But what about the ministry? What about the success? What about the revival? God. But he listens. And when he gets there, he meets an Ethiopian court official on his way back home. And the long and short of it was they have a conversation. He leads them to Jesus. He surrenders his life to Jesus, gets baptized, and goes on his way rejoicing back to Ethiopia. And church history tells us that he was the first missionary evangelist to Africa. But what are you doing, God? He has a different way. He has a different what? He has a different uh, when, and he often moves for us in ways that we don't understand, but we need to hear God. We need to hear God in every area of our life because bottom line, we need to deal with what's stopping us and listen to where he's taking us. We need to hear God. Good, Craig. What about that? Well, fancy this. February the 7th, we're going to be teaching hearing God. 
over six weeks. Six, not for six weeks straight. Six Tuesdays. So if you want to learn to hear God better, maybe you took this seminar in the past and it's kind of fallen by the wayside. You need, maybe you need to be refired in this. Maybe you need to refresh yourself in it. Maybe you've never taken this. We take you through and help everyone learn to hear God. Because it, sometimes it seems like some people say, oh, God said this, God said this. You're like, what? Do you have like a, like a telephone? Like how are you getting that all the time? I'm like, I think, I'm waiting, I'm listening. Some of us are more that way. And some of us are like, I don't think I've ever heard God. But hearing God is vital to get the strategies, to get the, the insight that you need, to know how to pray, to, to stand in the gap when you need to stand in the gap, to rejoice when you need to rejoice. It's all there. And if particularly to men, I want to encourage to, to go to horizonfam.ca, click on events and registration and sign up. You can do it from your home because we're going to do it hybrid. Or you can do it right here in the room with me. And there will be me and a couple of others teaching it. But we're going to take you through and help us to listen to God. Because that's a key response for us to learn how to recognize God's will and God's way in a time and a season when we need to hear him more clearly than ever. So that we can continue to pray and persevere. That we don't get tripped up, but that we keep moving. So if you get home from work and you can make it, great. But if you get home from work at 6.30 and you scarf down your food and at 7, boom, you're starting right in front. And you start on it. I really want to encourage and challenge, particularly if you've never taken it, that you can take it and make it a point this year. We prevail in prayer because his is the power and ours is the prayer. We prevail in prayer and fasting because prayer connects us to Jesus, but fasting disconnects me from the world. We prevail in prayer by dealing with what's stopping us and listening to where he's taking us. Worship team, you can make your way. Philippians 1.6, if you can stand to your feet. For all of us, there's a couple easy ways to respond. In Surrey, every Sunday at 9.30 in the prayer room, which is music room, which is right over there, we have pre-service prayer for 15 minutes where we gather together and we pray for the service. Every Tuesday, at 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, we have just like corporate prayer time. You can join from home via Zoom and be a participant that way, or you can come in person if you want to join via Zoom, prayer at horizonchurch.ca. Uh, anything to do with prayer, prayer at horizonchurch.ca, you can find it there. Uh, so 9.30 on Sunday, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Philippians 1 and 6 says this, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to, what? Completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He who starts it, finishes it. Romans 4 and 20 says, 21, and being fully assured of what God has promised, he was able also to perform. I don't want to be tripped up by my hindrances. I don't want to stop. I don't want to, I don't, as I showed you at the beginning, hundreds and hundreds of very deep, needs in this congregation. And if the, this is a microcosm of what's going on in our world, think of people who don't know God, who have nobody to call out to. We must be a house of prayer. How do we respond? I already talked to you about 
signing up for hearing God, it'll be hybrid. So even people in Princeton can respond. Even if you're on uh, some other place, you can be a part of that. Last time I taught it, I had somebody from Vancouver Island, somebody from Langley, and somebody from Ontario, as well as the people that were in the room. And I want to respond today just very good. We're going a little bit over time. It'll, nobody will, it'll be fine. Everybody say it's going to be fine. Even for the kids' ministry, it's going to be fine. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment and ask the Lord, Lord, what hindrances do I have right now? could be something that was on my list. Could it, be, it could be something else. It could be I'm lazy in prayer. It could be I, I don't make it a priority. It could be whatever. I don't know. I'm tired. And I believe this, that if you ask God to help you in that, he's going to help you to respond. So let's just take a moment and quietly listen to the Lord. What are the hindrances in my life right now? keeping eyes closed for a moment. Does anybody have a hindrance? Just put your hand up real quick. Every, just keep your eyes closed. Just not for everybody else. Anybody have a hindrance? Just lift your hand up high. I just want to bring it to you, Jesus, right now. Thank you that your grace is so good. Thank you that you're going to help me. Thank you that you're going to Give me the grace to overcome. Thank you that you're going to give me the grace to become a person of prayer. Not just someone who prays emotionally or by a schedule only, but a person of prayer. Thank you that there's no any, not any condemnation, there's grace. We can come boldly before your throne of grace to find help in our time of need. And even just maybe verbalize that to the Lord. Lord, I want to be a man or a woman of prayer. I need your help. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.